You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Happy MLB Draft Day to you. I guess technically MLB Draft Night uh, starts at 6 p.m. Eastern tonight. And uh, happy Week 11 to you as well. So with all those uh, greetings and salutations, uh, I am Al Melchior, your host for the hour. And uh, with me today, a little bit later on in the show, also from FanRag Sports, is Ryan Davis. Uh, First time I've had Ryan on the show uh, I'm not sure what took me so long uh, because it's always good to uh, check in with the Cubs. And Ryan is a great authority on the Cubs, good writer, uh, good analyst, and uh, looking forward to having him on the show a little bit later on. Uh, but starting off, as we always do here, with the news, uh, just within the hour, the Astros have put Lance McCullers on the 10-day DL. Uh, he is dealing with a lower back issue, so that is obviously uh, not uh, a good development at all. And in fact, I was on a different podcast last night, the In This League podcast, which I'm sure you all know uh, if you're listening here on uh, Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, and we we talked about McCullers, and I was saying I I had graduated McCullers into the group of legit number one starting pitchers, uh, and uh, you know it, it was uh, we, we we talked about the fact that. There, there is a, an injury risk there. I don't know. Maybe it was even a, a jinx going on or something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just uh, bad timing for Lance McCullers' owners, just as he, I thought, was really taking his game to another level and uh, putting himself not quite in the Kershaw, Sale, Scherzer camp, but, you know, just a step below. So uh, not uh, haven't seen anything uh, in terms of uh, the long-term prospects there for the, the – uh, uh, Astros rotation, but uh, you know that said that Joe Musgrove will be returning uh, from the DL himself uh, to start for the Astros tonight. So that just may solve the issue there, at least on the short term. In other news, uh, Manny Machado is expected to take batting practice today, and if all goes well, he will be back in the lineup at the White Sox, that according to the Baltimore Sun. So there's a few game-time decisions you'll need to make here in terms of your weekly lineups, and maybe because Machado is that close, you just want to go ahead and put him in your lineup anyway. I would wait as long as possible because uh, it just does seem like sometimes these things do do linger a bit more than we hear on Monday morning or Monday afternoon. Uh, so that's the deal with Manny Machado. Not uh, certain to return today, but there is a chance. Uh, as expected, Matt Andres is on back on the DL with a stress reaction in his hip. And also as expected, Jacob Feria called up to take his place. He'll start for the Rays on Tuesday. And Coda Glover placed on the DL as well. Uh, that actually came uh, over the weekend. He uh, tweaked his back trying to pick up some shower gel in the shower. That's where he picked up shower gel. All right, on that note of redundancy... Talk more about the Glover situation, some other game time decisions that you may have, uh, other news, all that after this break. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I mentioned in the first segment, we've got a special guest a little bit later on. Next segment, to be more precise, and that's Ryan Davis from FanRag Sports. He's going to come on and talk with me about the Cubs and their various fantasy fortunes. Uh, we've got a lot to get to in this segment, too. But before any of that, let me tell you about the world premiere, world premiere, 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can take it with you wherever you go. If you download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, you can listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Cicada while you're on the treadmill or Benny Riccardi in the car or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. So we'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So, like I said, lots to get to. I'll get back to that Coda Glover Nationals closer situation, uh, some injuries that may affect your lineup decisions. Uh, but uh, also let's just take a quick look here in terms of the weather from Roto-Grinders and their meteorologist, Kevin Roth. For the most part, not much to worry about in terms of weather impacting your daily lineup choices. The one start that you do need to watch, or one game I should say that you do need to watch, is the Mariners at the Twins. The target field, that's an 8-10 Eastern start for the Mariners and the Twins. And at game time right now, a 42% chance of precipitation that actually increases throughout the night there in uh, Minneapolis. So uh, other than that, you can just set those lineups without uh, without a worry, at least without a weather worry. Now, in terms of who's in the lineups, I uh, just got the Rockies and the Cubs lineup literally while I was talking about the weather. So I haven't had a chance to look those over. But for the Phillies, they're at Boston uh, versus Rick Por- Porcello. So they got the DH. They've got Franco, Michael Franco at DH. Andres Blanco playing third base. No Michael Saunders. So uh, you've got Howie Kendrick settled in there at second base. And you got the outfield of Daniel Navo, Dubal Herrera, and um, Aaron Altair uh, against the Red Sox. The White Sox, no Lurie Garcia. Again, that one's probably not a big surprise because he hurt his hand on uh, Sunday sliding into a base so uh, you've got Willie Garcia taking the place of Lurie Garcia uh, and no Alan Hansen, uh, Nando DeFino, if you're listening, no Alan Hansen. you got Yalmer Sanchez at uh, second base there. And just to take a quick look here at Rockies, line, the Rockies lineup, the Cubs lineup. I don't see anything there. The Rockies, that looks unusual. Uh, same thing for the Cubs. But we can break that down more with uh, Ryan Davis a little bit later on in the show. Uh, actually, okay. Well, I'm sorry. One thing here, no Kyle Schwarber in the Cubs lineup. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, we got Zobrist, uh, in left, at second and John Jay and Jason Hayward, uh, rounding out the outfield there. Uh, all right. Back to the, the news. As I mentioned, right before the break, Coda Glover placed on the DL this weekend. Uh, he hurt his back bending over to pick up his shower gel. And then did not tell anybody because, as he told the Washington Post, he is sick of being hurt. He thought he could just pitch through it. Uh, he blew a save in the process and then had to basically fess up, went on the DL. So uh, that is just a, a messy, messy closer situation there in D.C. Um, if if you are really set on speculating on somebody, 
And I would really only recommend doing so in, in pretty deep leagues where there's just no saves available anywhere. Uh, I would say Matt Albers would be the guy because he's been he's just been steadily good this year. He had a brief chance to close when both Glover and Sean Kelly were on the DL back in early March. And uh, I, he just seems to be the best option and the one that that would you know, jive most in terms of somebody who's being used consistently as in a setup uh, role, you know, particularly an eighth inning role. Uh, but, you know, could be a committee that would not surprise me, especially with Dusty Baker, you know, maybe Ali Perez coming in with some lefties, maybe Sean Kelly still, you know, getting a, a chance. And of course there's the ever present trade rumors as well. So that, that as much as anything is the reason why um, I did not personally go out and make any bids on Albers over the weekend. Uh, I just think it, it it might be as much as I like Albers and as good as he's been this year. I just think it might be money that doesn't go very far for me uh, because I think there could be a replacement on the way, maybe from outside the organization. So that's definitely something to to keep tabs on. Uh, Taiwan Walker is expected to return on Wednesday for the Diamondbacks to start at the Tigers. And in terms of who leaves the rotation, it's down to Randall Delgado or Zach Godley. So that, for me, poses a, a dilemma because I've got Godley in a couple of leagues. I would really like to start him this week, but uh, I probably won't just because it, it's not definite. And it would seem to me that Godley would be the, the superior option to Delgado uh, in the uh, rotation going forward. But maybe they just like him better in the bullpen. I don't know. Um, you know, they sent him down. Uh, it was what, about a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half, two weeks ago, that they sent Godley down for, for a spell. Um, I'm not sure why they're handling him that particular way, but I would say, barring further news, and I doubt we'll get it before the lineup block tonight, uh, to not start Zach Godley this week. Ryan Zimmerman is another kind of uh, tricky call. He sat both on Saturday and Sunday due to some back issues. Uh, Zimmerman told the Washington Post that it was merely precautionary, that uh, he just wanted to, to nip the problem in the bud before it got truly bad. Uh, and again, I, you know, I've learned to be very cautious about these things. So is, you know, Zimmerman is a productive enough bat that if, if it seems like there's a precautionary move being made here, you probably don't want to lose the production from him, even if he misses another game or two. So I would lean towards starting Zimmerman, but I also would wait until, uh, you know, that's 7.05 Eastern first pitch tonight before making a, a final decision just to play it safe. Um, let's see. Elsewhere in the news here, Ryan Braun is reportedly pain-free. Uh, he's been, of course, out with a calf strain, and he has started taking part in a variety of baseball activities. Uh, but MLB.com reported that while he is close to a rehab assignment, that there is no timeline, no specific timeline yet for Braun. So clearly, uh, you know, he's he's not somebody you should start this week. I wouldn't necessarily count on him, you know, being back all that soon. But he is making progress. I guess that is the main takeaway there for for Ryan Braun. Madison Bumgarner could face live hitters by this weekend. He has been throwing off a mound, and he's progressing enough that uh, he is on track to face some hitters this weekend. So that's great news for Madison Bumgarner. Salvador Perez left Sunday's game against the Padres early with some tightness in his left side. That was also reportedly uh, uh, precautionary, but along with Zimmerman and Machado and, and some of the others that, uh, that we've mentioned, uh, that's one that you should definitely check back up on before your lineups uh, are set for the week. 
And finally, Adrian Gonzalez, he is officially day-to-day with a herniated disc. He's been playing with the herniated disc, but his back this weekend reportedly locked up on him. He is, he is scheduled to get an MRI today. And, it, you know, DL Stitt is, is definitely very much a possibility for Adrian Gonzalez. So that's, uh, you know, he's he's been banged up all season long, I, I would suspect. I mean, he missed some time already, came into the season not at 100%. Now we learn he's not been 100% lately. So, you know, just a gut feeling that I, it seems like a DL stint would be likely for him. It would seem to make sense. I don't know. And frankly, I just wouldn't want to start him anyway this week. I think even in an NL only league, I would not want to start Adrian Gonzalez unless I just really did not have another option. Uh, related to that story, if he does go on the DL, that could dovetail with Jack Peterson being ready to come off the DL which means that Cody Ballinger would get shifted back over to first base and Peterson would take over in center. And for you Chris Taylor owners out there, um, that would also mean that Taylor gets to stay in the lineup. He would shift over to left field. So that's how that, that alignment would go. So uh, enough right now for looking forward. Uh, let's go back to Sunday's performances, big performances. And and it was you know, really the power performances that uh, that stole the headlines, particularly Aaron Judge with a two-home run game for him. He's now up to 21 on the year, but there were several two-home run performances, but an awful lot of steals, too, uh, on uh, on Sunday. Uh, so some interesting trends there. We'll hit the power, power hitters first and uh, get to the steals. Uh, so Aaron Judge, four for four against the Orioles, uh, just a, a tough, tough series for the Orioles there. Uh, so Aaron Judge, a big part of that, four for four with a pair of home runs. Uh, he's been not only you know hitting a lot of home runs, but just hitting them incredible distances and and just just being a, a human highlight reel. Uh, Cody Bellinger with another two homer game. Just mentioned him, so I, he's obviously staying in the lineup. Mike Mustakis with another two home run with a two home excuse me two home run game against the Reds. Um, and Mustakis is. Had kind of an interesting season because he's been pretty steady with the power, but the batting average has really been up and down, and, and so on an uptick right now. And finally, Corey Spangenberg. There's one that maybe doesn't fit it with the others. With a two-home run game against the Royals. So, uh, we have not even talked about Lewis Brinson yet. Hard to believe that. We'll get to him later in the show, but uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And it is time. I've been talking about it for the last uh, 20 minutes or so. That uh, it's, We're going to talk about the Cubs today, and it's finally time. Time to bring on Ryan Davis from FanRag Sports. And uh, Ryan also writes for Sporting News, and I feel I might be missing a place or two. So, Ryan, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Al. And, yeah, I, uh, I also write for 2080 Baseball. All right. Well, sorry, I forgot, forgot that. Um, so definitely don't I know. There's, Great. there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, really good prospect coverage there at 28 Baseball. So uh, certainly right. would, would have been remiss not to uh, alert people to uh, to that. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk some Cubs, Ryan. And, and from a fancy perspective, the team's been very, mm-hmm. I mean, from every perspective, the team's been frustrating this year, if you're a fan at least. Yeah. 
Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, too, and I mean, it's, it's no different in some ways than past Joe Madden teams, whether it's the Cubs or the Rays. Uh, but just, you know, always uh, changes in the lineup and, and hard to get a beat on what the, the playing time is going forward. Uh, you know, fantasy owners already, I think, have a lot of concern about Kyle Schwarber. He's out of the lineup today. Um, but he and Wilson Contreras, I mean, they've really not lived up to expectations so far this year. How much leash do you think that they both have in terms of getting, uh, you know, obviously they're not everyday players in the literal sense, but, you know, how much leash do they have in terms of being pretty much regular players? Sure. I, I think that uh, as far as Contreras goes, that's the guy that you know is going to be there. Uh, he hasn't performed quite what you expected uh, going into his second season after what you saw in 2016 and when, after you got called up in June. But overall, it's been pretty good. Uh, I know it doesn't necessarily help fantasy players as much, but uh, he's been outstanding with his defense. He has a cannon throwing down to second base and trying to pick guys off at first base. Uh, he brings a lot of value. I actually looked this up this morning. He's among the positional players, fourth on the team and wins above replacement currently. So uh, as far as somebody that you could expect will be just as regular as, as he has been all year, that's Contreras. He's going to be you know, pretty much the number one catcher going forward. As far as Schwarber, um, it, it's kind of in flux right now. He had that really long stretch where he looked really bad and was striking out all the time. And then lately it started to come around a little bit since he kind of got moved down in the lineup and uh, has been kind of platooning with, you know, with John Jay and Ian Happ and uh, trying trying to get him better at bats. And that's what's been going on lately. It, I think in the last eight games or so, he's had three home runs, including a big grand slam against the Cardinals. Uh, I think it's like a 385 on base over those eight games. So whether or not that's a breakout, the start of a breakout, who knows? But uh, I think it's earning him more playing time. And, and he's going to be in there more days than than not, I would guess. So basically, we just have to kind of, you know, not worry about the playing time concerns and just make a judgment based on on performance. And I just think in right. both of these cases, uh, you know, and you can, you know, let me, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, but I just think that there's just way too much promise with with both players that, uh, you know, even even when things aren't going so well, I think that you, you need to, as long as they're getting the playing time, you, you need to get them in your lineup. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you were playing fantasy, I would say play, you know, play the matchup, be smart. But, um, you know, if Schwarber's in the lineup, that means Joe Madden thinks he's going to hit. And everybody knows Joe Madden is is always looking at the numbers. He's not necessarily just going with his gut or saying, well, left-handed batter because right-handed pitcher. Uh, He he looks at him more analytically than that. So uh, I I would say, you know, kind of trust trust where Joe Madden goes with it if he sits Schwarber. There's a reason if he has him in there, there's a reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this team has, uh, I, I think a lot of what's disappointed people is, is that they threw out the young players tend to struggle rather than having that consistent year in, year out. All these guys are in their pre-prime ages. You know, Chris Bryant's 24 and Addison Russell's 23, Schober's 24. So, I mean, you have all these guys in these pre-prime years and because they won the World Series last year, I think everyone just kind of, throughout the whole young players tend to be up and down and struggle sometimes uh, and just kind of assumed that, well, since they won the world series, they won't do that. But I think it's just happening kind of backwards for them. So they're, they're struggling this year, but uh, I think they'll come out of it at some point because these are, like you said, they're very talented, good players. Yeah. Well, that's a good point too, that we have to manage our own expectations because 
you know, if they had, you know, lost to the Indians, which was a very, you know, a, you know, not a likely scenario necessarily, but it was a, you know, a reasonable scenario given how that series played out, or you know, if they'd gotten eliminated by the Dodgers, we, you know, maybe we'd look at things differently mm-hmm. this year, and, and maybe maybe be a bit more patient. Uh, now you'd mentioned right. Ian Happ as being in part of that part of that mix uh, in the outfield, but you know, like like a lot of uh, the players on the roster, you know, very versatile. Um, is that versatility you think going to keep him in the lineup uh, again? Not every day, but pretty regularly or do you think that his struggles could signal uh some sort of demotion for him whether it's to a utility role or maybe even back to, to the minors uh it's been hard to get a handle on that when he first came up i thought well this is a a good opportunity for him i've been on the ian hap train for a while and i know that the cubs as recently as the cubs convention when i talked to some of their people um were really high on ian hap even then and you know had that big spring and you know was hitting a triple a so it it made sense to bring him up at the time and get him that taste of the big leagues he's got that hot start and then he's just been brutal ever since and i always thought that after he struggled for a while that was going to be their opportunity to say this is what you need to work on you're seeing it now with your own eyes go back to triple a and work on this but they haven't sent him back down they've continued to keep him in there and, and over the last maybe a month and a half, it's been, or a month or so, I guess. It's been pretty bad. So I can't quite get a feel for what their expectation is with him. If it were me, I'd have to imagine that it wouldn't be too long before I'd have Tommy Lestella back up on the big league roster. But yeah. uh, I, I would say for now it's just hard to get a feel on what they're doing with Hap because there's so many guys struggling with Russell struggling and, and Baez being streaky as he always will be and Schwarber struggling and, and uh, Albert Amora at times struggling when he does get in the lineup. I think it's. I think having happen his flexibility to play second base and all three outfield positions has helped. But um, I think if everybody were hitting, you'd have him back down at AAA, ideally. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I don't think it was nearly to the same degree. But I think about Chris Bryant two years ago. Uh, you know, in retrospect, we don't, I don't think we think about it that much. But he had his periods where he really struggled too, and you know, he stayed up and, and played through it. So right. you know, I, I could could see it going either way. But uh, well, let's you know just go with a scenario here that maybe Hap does see a reduction in his role or or even gets demoted back to the minors. D- do you see a possibility this year for Javier Baez finally to be a true everyday player? Because it's just it just seems like he's always on the cusp of it, <laughs> and then once he's on the cusp of it, he sort of disappears for a few games. So uh, do you see an end to that in the near future for Baez? Well, I think there's two things in there. One, I, I think the streakiness will always be a part of who he is at the plate, uh, and even to a degree in the field. Uh, he, he can be streaky and have just outstanding performance some days and then others just nothing. And I think the best example of that was the playoffs last year where he, he hit in the NLDS and he had all those great plays at second base. Uh, and then he did the same thing in the NLCS to a degree, but then his bat started to tail off. It's almost like he has the success and he starts to feel good about himself at the plate and he gets himself out of what makes him so successful and starts swinging at the pitch in, you know, in the dirt in the left-handed batter's box. And, and so that's kind of just who he is. And I don't know if that'll ever change because that's just part of the, his makeup as a player. And, you know, the Cubs basically say to embrace that aggressiveness because of that, that's what makes him so great. So at the same time, I think he is an everyday player. I think despite that kind of streakiness, 
this, you know, he, he's a very valuable player with that defense, uh, his flexibility to play basically anywhere in the field that the Cubs asked him to. Uh, I've always joked that I think if they put Javier Baez on the mound, he'd have about a 95 mile an hour fastball. Uh, so I, I do think he is an everyday player. I think he, you know, because of the nature of the roster and the existence of Ben Zobrist and, you know, some of Russell's struggles that he'll occasionally move around and essentially be a utility guy. But uh, I do think that that's, you know, this is Javier Baez's time. He's he's on this roster to play just about every day, pretty, pretty much like everybody else. I think you could probably count maybe two or three players, maybe Bryant Rizzo and, you know, maybe Jason Hayward, who are guys who pretty much every single day players and everybody else just kind of moves around and gets days off. Yeah, well, that's, that, that really says something then. Uh, you know, so for the bias owner who's hoping for more consistent counting stats, that's that's good news. Uh, but you also mentioned Baez's defensive inconsistency. And I want to talk about defense, which is something I don't talk about much on this show, being a fantasy baseball show. But in the Cubs right. case, I think it's totally relevant because – the pitching staff led the majors last year in BABIP, uh, love with BABIP. And so, you know, that was, was a huge boon for pretty much everybody in the rotation. This year, they've really fallen back to middle of the pack. And maybe that's just normal regression, or maybe it's the fact that also defensively, particularly up the middle, they're not as strong as they were a year ago. And, and that's one area where, you know, we can't really blame Addison Russell but bias, you know, has not been as good, at least in terms of the metrics, has not been as good defensively, and they haven't really found a way to replace Dexter Fowler's defense yet. So, um, do you think that the defense will improve? Do you think the pitching could improve, even if the defense doesn't improve? Oh, uh, I think the pitching does have plenty of room to improve. There's uh, a lot of guys giving up more home runs than than they were last year. Arietta and Mackey specifically come to mind, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think there is still room for the defense to improve. They were essentially historically great last season. I mean, that's the only way to put it that, that gives its true value to, to how great the Cubs defense was. And and I was kind of banging the drum all offseason, and, and no Cubs fans wanted to hear it from me. But basically, the you know, there's no way they can repeat that kind of success. They can still be really great. And, and come down quite a bit. And there was a lot of luck involved in getting, you know, ground balls in the right spot or fly balls in yep. the right spot. And, and it, it just isn't happening that way specifically this year. Um, you know, even even Russell, to a degree, has had his struggles in the field. Sure. Uh, so it, it, it's just tough. Well, we're out of time, right? So I'm sorry to cut you off there, but thank you so much for oh. joining us. Really appreciate it. We will be Absolutely. right back, Anything. folks, right after this break. Ryan, thanks again. Welcome back, everybody. We're just staying alive here on FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Thanks for sticking with us. And thanks to Ryan Davis for uh, joining us in that last segment and giving us the lowdown on the Cubs' uh, playing time situation and on uh, the, the nexus between pitching and defense and all kinds of good stuff there. So really appreciate that. You can find Ryan, of course, on FanRag Sports. Uh, but you can also, as uh, I mentioned, you can find him now on the Sporting News and as he mentioned, on 2080 Baseball, uh, which is a great place for uh, prospect research and, again, very timely to go check that site out with uh, tonight being the first night of the MLB draft. So uh, thanks again to, to Ryan. One more note on him. You can also find him on Twitter at Ryan Q. Davis, at Ryan Q. Davis. All righty. So um, 
before we had Ryan on, talked about some of the notable power hitting performances, but I also mentioned that there were some powerful speed performances from Sunday. And it wasn't the most impressive display of speed, but maybe the one that people were watching the most. And that was the Major League debut of Lewis Brinson, who did not get a hit against the Diamondbacks, but he walked twice. That got him on base, and he stole his first Major League base. Uh, and, you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, Brinson, when you look at the minor league stats, uh, there might not be one thing that bowls you over, but he's just got a nice across the board profile where he could help you a, a little bit with everything with some, some good power. And, uh, you know, I think he could be a 20 to 30, uh, you know, stolen base candidate, maybe, maybe even more and, uh, you know, hit for average. So, uh, we, we saw the stolen base aspect of that, uh, profile from Brinson in his major league debut, but, uh, it doesn't just stop there. Um, Cameron Mabin, he had two stolen bases, so he has stayed hot. He went two for four and also walked, and he is now up to 19 steals, and uh, that was against the uh, the Astros. As teammate Eric Young got in the act and stole his fourth base of the season and hit his second home run. So Eric Young Jr. off to a really, really nice start there, um, filling in uh, essentially for, for Mike Trout there and the uh, Angels outfield. So... He's making the most of that. Uh, Malik Smith, no steal on Sunday, but I'd be remiss not to talk about his game. And it's just, it's hard to talk about Malik Smith without thinking about stolen bases because that's really where he's going to help you uh, the most in fantasy. But uh, you know he's helping in a lot of different ways so far. He went three for three against the A's on Sunday. He doubled. He walked uh, and took his uh, batting average up to 378. So uh, Smith, very, very hot, uh, and also like uh, Eric Young, filling in for a big star, filling in for Kevin Kiermeyer uh, out in uh, center field for the, for the Rays. Uh, Ian Desmond stole his fifth base and went two for four. So he's batting 283. He's played 38 games, so you certainly can't argue with the stolen base pace because that's a little better than a 20-steal pace. And you figure that Desmond should, especially in Colorado, he should be a 2020 guy. Now, again, missing all the time that he missed with the fractured left hand. He's you know, probably not going to be a 2020 player, but at least he should be on that pace. But he only has three home runs so far. And he has a 63% ground ball rate. And there were some detractors uh, in terms of, of Desmond signing with the Rockies, saying that, uh, you know, much like Gerardo Parra the year before, that he doesn't necessarily have the profile to fully take advantage of Coors Field. I'm not really buying that. I don't know if this is just just a, a bad period for for Desmond. I mean, we've you know he's been streaky, uh, but he always manages to come back from the down periods. So I don't know if this is just a garden variety slump for Ian Desmond, at least in terms of power, because again he's he's providing the batting average, he's providing the steals for sure. But all those ground balls, the relative lack of power, I don't know if that's just a slump or if that's the fact that he's coming back from a really serious hand injury. And I don't know, but I'm I'm certainly willing to to assume it's the latter. Um, even though, again, I honestly don't know. But it's just hand injuries can take a very, very long time to come back from. And, and in a way, that's a much more discouraging interpretation than to just say, well, it's just one of Desmond's slumps. 
in a way I hope I hope it is. But there is that other possibility that you need to be aware of if you're considering, say, buying low on Ian Desmond. But if you're a Desmond owner, uh, at least he's getting on base enough to uh, to provide you with the steals. So that's good news. And Eduardo Nunez had a very nice game on Sunday. He went three for five with a pair of doubles and, of course, a stolen base because that's really what we're focusing on in this particular segment. So he's now up to 17 steals, Nunez, just a little bit more than two months into the season, already up to 17 steals. But the two doubles bring him up to 15 for the year. Now, he only has four home runs. And, you know, that's that's a... I don't even want to say it's a disappointment because I was far from alone in saying that I really worried about Nunez matching his 2016 power production, potentially playing the whole year for the Giants. And uh, with four home runs at this point, that's actually a little better power output than I would have expected. Uh, But then you put on top of that the fact that he's got 15 doubles already. So really, I mean, particularly if you're you're talking about a points league, or some format where doubles count, maybe a total basis categories league, or if doubles are a category, um, you don't have very much. You really have nothing to complain about with that Eduardo Nunez so far up to this point. He's batting 300. He's scored 33 runs for a team that's really struggled offensively, knocked in 24, and he's striking out at an 8.4% rate, which is great for anybody. And uh, Nunez has always been a pretty good contact hitter, uh, at least in recent seasons, he's been a very good contact hitter. And this really takes that to another level. So whether he can maintain that, whether or not he can maintain a 300 batting average may or may not happen, but you, you really have nothing to complain about in terms of what Eduardo Nunez has done so far. And and I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised because I was pretty much of a downer on Nunez, uh, you know, labeled him a bust because I didn't think he'd have the power and I, I just didn't know how much overall production he'd have besides the steals. And uh, he's been far more than just a stolen base source. And he's been a very, very good stolen base source. There's been no tapering off in terms of that category for Nunez. Um, One more player hitter that uh, I just want to review here in terms of his Sunday performance doesn't really fit into either category in terms of a spectacular power hitting performance uh, did not steal a base, but Todd Frazier is very quietly resurrecting his season. He went three for four on Sunday, hit his 10th double of the year at Cleveland, and over the last three games now, he's hitting 333 with five homers and three doubles. So, you know, when we talk about streaky players, you know, we talk about Ian Desmond being streaky or Mike Moustakis, at least in regard to batting average, often being very streaky. Uh, we know Todd Frazier is very streaky. And he had a period where he seemed to just be miserable in the second half. I don't really buy that as a perennial thing for for Todd Frazier. I just think he's streaky. And he's had a really rough first half for the most part. But the last couple of weeks, he's really turned it around. And much like I discussed on Sunday's show with Greg Jewett, that I think the perception is lagging behind the reality for Edwin Encarnacion. I think it's even more the case for Todd Frazier because he's really got a pretty deep hole to dig out of. But I think now is the time, if you haven't uh, done so already, now is the time to seek out that uh, that Todd Frazier owner and see if you can get him at a discount because he's not done. He is far from done. He's just had an extended 
just an extended slump. So moving on to the pitchers, uh, we had a duel in the desert, Robbie Ray and Chase Anderson. I had a feeling this was going to be a pretty interesting game. The, the final score does not indicate there was a pitcher's duel at all because uh, the Brewers bullpen basically imploded. Uh, but uh, Chase Anderson did his part. He was was very, very solid, really continued on with uh, what's been now several excellent starts in a row. And Robbie Ray, there's just no sign of him slowing down at all. And, and it's funny because between the two, I, I, I want to be careful about how I say this because I do think Robbie Ray is a better pitcher than Chase Anderson. But I think there's a, uh, I think Ray, in a sense, has a greater vulnerability because he allows a lot of hard contact. I mean, he's right up there in terms of the stat cast rankings uh, on average fly ball distance. And given where he pitches and given that he is not a ground ball pitcher, that's something that worries me. And I think he just he just gets by on just avoiding a lot of contact. So I think as long as he does that, um, you know, it's it's a fine line, you know, much as we've seen with Michael Pineda over the last few years, that, uh, you know, you can avoid a lot of contact and still be giving up enough hard contact that it, it sort of neutralizes or even worse kind of overshadows the strikeouts that you get and, um, you know, hitters are able to do some damage and limited opportunities, you know, limited again because there's so many swings and misses. So I think Ray is on the good side of that line now. I mean, I just think he's been so dominant that um, there's not much that hitters can do against him in a given start. But I, I do worry a bit. I, I feel like he's on more of a, uh, a thin margin for error than you might think for a pitcher who gets as many strikeouts as he does. But it's going great for Robbie right now. Right now it's also going great for Chase Anderson. And it went pretty good for Seth Lugo in his 2016 debut. So uh, missing the more than the first two months of the season uh, with a tear in his UCL. Uh, but certainly no worse for wear against the Braves on Sunday. Seven innings, just one run allowed on six hits and two walks and six strikeouts. So um, talk a little bit more about Lugo. Because it was a good start, get a good rookie season. I have concerns, concerns there, though, too. So we'll get to Lugo, Von Nova, Jaime Garcia, some of the standout pitching performances right after this break. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And let me start off here, start off this segment by telling you about the RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge In-Season Fantasy Baseball Package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a, become a wizard of the waiver wire and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And for this season, you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with the new Injury Advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. 
got one bit of news, probably the last bit of lineup-related news uh, I'll get to you for today, and that is that Ryan Zimmerman is out of the Nationals' starting lineup for the third straight game. However, Dusty Baker says he does expect Zimmerman back for Tuesday. So uh, I would go ahead, cross my fingers, put Zimmerman in there for the weekly uh, for the weekly lineups, obviously not the daily ones. Um, but, you know, all depends on your own level of risk aversion on that one. But Zimmerman could be back on Tuesday. A uh, few pitching performances from Sunday, just to review for, uh, for these final few minutes. I mentioned Seth Lugo, very good season debut, coming off of the DL against the Braves. Uh, Seven-inning effort with just one run and six strikeouts. Uh, I like I like to see the strikeouts for sure. I think the Braves are not necessarily the best test, though, of what you might expect going forward from Lugo. And last year, Lugo stranded a lot of runners, had a very low BABIP, and I'm not sure he can repeat that because for somebody who's who was last season kind of an average strikeout pitcher, average control pitcher, uh, I would expect average results. Um, so I do not view him, despite this good debut, as a must-add in 12-team mixed leagues. Absolutely anything deeper than that. But, um, it, you know, this may be a bit misleading, this this first start. I, I certainly want to see more. Jaime Garcia, on the other hand, has been doing it almost all season. Uh, another great start for him on the other side uh, versus Mets, the Mets and Lugo. Seven innings for Garcia, two runs on seven hits and two walks with nine strikeouts. And over his last 10 games, Garcia has a 2.73 ERA and a 60% ground ball rate. He is just smothering the opposition with a lot of ground balls and lost off contact. He is under-owned. Garcia does need to be owned, I think, in 12-team mixed leagues. Same goes for Ivan Nova, another nice start against the Marlins. Six innings, uh, scoreless, with no walks, of course, because it's Ivan Nova and four strikeouts. However, since the beginning of May, he does have a 374 ERA, but he has not had a start all season long that's less than six innings, and 11 of his 13 starts over the whole season have been quality starts. So, um, you know, particularly points leagues, Nova's a, a must start despite the ERA and despite the lack of strikeouts. He's just an innings monster. Uh, Jay Happ, a nice uh, start, six scoreless for him as well against the Mariners with eight strikeouts. Um, he's got a 26% strikeout rate so far this year, so that's helped to compensate for a little bit of homer proneness. But, uh, you know, Hap is is widely owned and as well he should be. And then the last pitcher, one I certainly would not have expected to talk about today, Austin Bibbins-Dirks for the Rangers. He outdueled Max Scherzer, who had a really nice game, particularly through seven innings. Uh, but Bibbins-Dirks, seven innings for himself, just one run allowed against the Nationals on three hits and a walk with two strikeouts. He's had a he's put together a nice line so far this year, but he's a contact pitcher who's relied on a 189 BABIP. So as impressive as that was, he's uh, an AL only guy for me, Bibbin Storks. On that note, it's time to uh, head out, make room for the rotation coming up. So stick around for that. I will see you again on Thursday. So good luck this week. Enjoy uh, your, your first games of the week and enjoy the fantasy or the, rather the MLB draft tonight. So take care. See you again on Thursday. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio.